Hello, White Sox fans. It is Crystal O'Keefe with episode 34 of Visiting Dugout, brought to you by Southside Sox, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Today, I have on the show the very wonderful and charming Jordan White. You might know Jordan from his previous long-running podcast, In the Deep, and several very thoughtful and thought-provoking articles on Pitcher List. So, Jordan, hello. Please feel free to add to that introduction, because you do so many things. I, I used to do so many things. I've stepped away from so much, and now I'm just a baseball fan again, which kind of feels nice. But no, yeah, formerly a writer and podcaster for Pitcher List, as Crystal so kindly mentioned. Um, uh, two-time uh, fantasy sports writer award nominee, which is kind of weird to say. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Brewers fan, more so a general baseball fan than a Brewers fan, but uh, I do have a soft spot for the Brewers in my heart. So, yeah. It's true. We have... Um met at a brewers game it was a wonderful time yes yes we, so. had a, we have to do another one of those sometime soon i know it's uh, i i've, I've t- uh, touted the idea of coming down to visit you for a Sox game but i feel like we would get more enjoyment out of watching a uh, a brewers game right now yeah. <laughs> Sox game. i have tried actually i have successfully not been to guaranteed guaranteed rate field this year oh wow um, I have only seen the socks on the road if I do see them at all. Where so. did you see them? I have now seen them in New York. Okay. I've seen them in Cincinnati. Honestly, I think I've seen the Mets and Pirates more this year than I've seen the White Sox. Oh wow. Yeah. I, in fact, I have I have seen the Mets more than the White Sox this year. Oh yeah, you were you were in Milwaukee for one of the Mets games. I remember that. That's yes. when we saw each other too. You came to eat at my restaurant. Yes. And yeah. then you um Got to meet Pete Alonzo the next day, and I, I, uh, I, I did get to meet Pete Alonzo, and I disappointed you by, uh, well, I mean, I made you happy, but also probably very much disappointed you by the fact that I got to meet him and you did not. But it's okay. I saved that picture on my phone. It's actually your picture, um, your 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 um, little picture for your text. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, they always say don't meet your heroes, uh, but I'm kind of okay meeting my friends' heroes because Pete Alonzo and and his wife both incredibly kind and nice people. So that was very good. Uh, seal of approval for Pete. And the Mets always get, um, they order from your restaurant when they're in town, which is they do. Really cool. Yeah, they cater they cater breakfast a lot from a restaurant. Same with the Reds. The Reds did it a couple times now too. So we've done both of them lately, which has been neat. So yeah. You guys going. So yeah. cool. Always. Right. Well, we're here to talk about the Brewers, not Pete Alonzo. This is not Sadly, this is not a <laughs> podcast. Maybe that's something I should do in the future. Um, but yeah, so you and I both know the central divisions are kind of the weakest. It's it's the- a it's a mid-off in both the AL and the NL, kind of, yeah. But the Brewers are at least leading in the National League. Um, yes, they're they're a game and a half up right now on both, I believe, the Cubs and the Reds. Yes. So the- Cubs have been really hot and they they're have. climbing back um, with that whole like, I don't know, 50 million runs in three days. Yeah. Um, but the Brewers have maintained that lead for a bit. In fact, it wasn't until just recently that the Cubs really started to kind of climb back up there. So what's going on in Milwaukee right now with the Brewers? So in Milwaukee right now, I feel like it's a good and like kind of uplifting time just because we're now getting like Brandon Woodruff back, finally made his first start uh, this past weekend, uh, which he looked great. Obviously, it's always good to see him healthy after that long. I mean, it felt like 
such a long absence for him. Very excited to see him back in the rotation. Uh, I feel like there's some stability there in the rotation that we didn't have. Obviously having uh, the big three of him, Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta back makes me much more comfortable and much uh, feel much more safe as a Brewers fan uh, sending starting pitchers out and stuff. Like I, I love what they did and I'm glad that they could uh, eat innings this year, but I would much rather not have Julio Tehran and uh, Colin Ray pitching every fifth day for the Brewers. Uh, so I'm excited to have those three back and healthy, all ready to go. Um, I don't know. I, th- I feel like there's a lot to be excited about on the pitching side of thing and the defensive side of things. The offense still continues to scuffle. Seeing Corbin Burns struggle to get run support, even though he pitches really, really well, is always it, it just it, I don't know. It's like death taxes in that or like three certainties in life. Um, so I would love to see the offense click a little bit more. Obviously, there's been a lot of disappointments this year. I mean, a lot of people were really hoping that Rowdy Telez would be better. He's been hurt nagging injuries, not living up to what we expected him to be, which is a bummer Um, just across the board, like a lot of really disappointing performances offensively. Um, In general, I feel like there's optimism though right now with the Brewers. So I feel, I still feel good about their chances of winning the division. Uh, The two teams that are nipping at their heels are both very threatening in their own ways though. Although the Reds have kind of, had a little cold streak again they played for most of that um and that's kind of my next point like how do you extinguish the cubs right now so that you know throughout this month and throughout september you guys are still in first and maybe more of a deficit for the cubs and the reds more than a you know game and a half back right now yeah so we really don't have any divisional games until we play the cubs at the end of the month um yeah, I mean, we obviously play, we're starting a series against the Rockies as of today of this recording, uh, White Sox this weekend, uh, Dodgers, Rangers, Twins, Padres, and then finally the Cubs. I think we're kind of just hoping that the division kind of beats up on itself mm-hmm. a little bit, trades games, like split series, no one really gains a whole lot of ground if everyone can kind of just spin their tires. Uh, and then once we get to those series, I mean, we have series against both the Cubs and the Pirates in late August, early September that I think are going to be really pivotal. Um, that's pretty much all we're looking at. Um, and then obviously everyone should just stay healthy. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I mean, we're going to be getting hopefully Aaron Ashby back at some point near the end of the year. One of my favorite players, um, lots of, lots of help in terms of like bullpen arms, long relief arms, guys who can eat innings. It's going to be really exciting to see. Um, I think between the starting rotation, the bullpen and how strong they've been and how surprising they've been this year. Uh, particularly Hobie Milner and Yoel Piamps have both been incredible. Um, I think that's been a really, really nice surprise, obviously after the hater trade last yeah. year. Yes. Uh, who's going to, because Devin <laughs> Williams was the eighth inning guy. You had Hater in the ninth. Williams moves up to the ninth. Who's going to fill like, like those seventh and eighth inning roles? Milner and Yoel Piamps have both filled those roles exceptionally well. Um, super happy about that. But I think it's mostly just like, staying the course with the stellar defense. I think like by most metrics, the Brewers have the best defense in the league. They're up there in the top three in pretty much every major defensive metric. Um, That plus the stellar pitching plus the bullpen is what's allowing them to stay at the top of the division. I'm hoping that remains the case. I'm hoping we see a nice little hot stretch, uh, especially with all the younger guys that have gotten called up for the Brewers uh, in terms of offense. Hopefully that'll 
put a shot into the team. But yeah, I think that's going to be the key to it is basically just hoping that the rest of the division continues to beat up on each other and then just staying the course the rest of the way. Yeah. And I mean, that could very, very well happen because these hot streaks will come and go as is. So while I'm sure it was nice for Cubs fans to have that, that's, that's never, never sustainable. Um, Yeah. That's, that's just kind of crazy that they've made up their run differential just in three games yeah exactly it's pretty crazy so like and i don't know i feel i feel strange saying this because like it feels bad as a brewers fan to kind of like draw parallels between the brewers and the cubs but just like the general resurgence and like reclamation of both christian yelich and cody bellinger in the same season the former mvps who were battling against each other for so long were kind of like running parallel to each other back in like 2018 2019 the subsequent like falling off quote unquote, of both of them. And now Bellinger finding his form again and playing out of his mind. He's been incredible lately. Yeah. Uh, and then Yelich, not obviously like he's always going to be held up to the standard of quote unquote standard because it's not standard what he did in 2018 and 2019. He was incredible. Um, but he's been obviously like in, on one of the worst offenses in the league. He's still a leadoff man who's probably going to score 100 runs and he's getting on base at an absurd clip still. Um both of them have been excellent. So I think that's another kind of like cool little storyline here is seeing those two now in the same division, both kind of like rising back up uh, in relevancy and reputation. Um, so I think that's going to be the fun thing to watch for sure. Yeah. It's hard to not enjoy watching Cody doing what he's doing as someone who does not like the Cubs and yeah. definitely would pick the Brewers over the Cubs any day. It's admittedly very fun. Um, to see that resurgence. And obviously, I mean, we all love to see what Christian does. He's He's been so much fun to watch. And it had been such a bummer the last two years to kind of see some droughts and see some no longer like vintage Yelich. So exactly, it's fun yeah. to watch both of them do it right now. Absolutely. And like, that's the thing with both of those guys. It wasn't for lack of effort, right? You could tell that they were struggling and sitting there trying like, Yelich was spinning his tires trying to figure it out. And even when he was bad, he was still walking at like he's, he still gets on base at a great rate. Like he's still is like an above league average hitter because of how much he would get on base. And he was still, when he was impacting the ball, he was hitting it very, very hard. It's just something wasn't quite there. And he had a change, I believe. And it was like his uh, setup. He was doing more of a toe tap instead of an actual stride which helped him kind of get his timing down again this year, which I think obviously helped. Uh, mechanically, I can't speak to any uh, changes with Bellinger's swing, um, but I do know that Yelich uh, focused on that in his setup uh, before swinging. So, yeah, I don't know. It's very exciting to see both of them doing that, even though I would like to see the Cubs fail uh, yeah. inherently yeah. as who, for who I am as a person. Uh, but <laughs> Totally. This is a White Sox podcast. You're I'm in, I'm, in, I'm, 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 I'm in a safe space. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're supposed to say that. <laughs> um, so do you do you have a MVP candidate for this team like, for the Brewers yeah for the Brewers so <laughs> offensively I mean it's pretty clearly gotta be Yelich I don't think there's anyone else that really fits that mold that's kind of doing a little bit of everything and I mean he's a prototypical like ideal leadoff hitter um he works a ton of walks he's got speed he can steal bags I mean he's leading the team in both uh, on base percentage and stolen bases as well as run scored um he's probably again they, they are i believe by wrc plus uh i think 26th in the league 
uh, in terms of offenses and he's still in line to score a hundred runs. I mean, it just kind of speaks to how good he is that he's still able to score that much when the people behind him truly are not performing up to what we would expect them to. Um, so it's pretty clearly that that's my offensive MVP from a pitching perspective. I know this is going to sound weird. Cause like I could sit there and I could talk about Freddie Peralta all day. I could talk about Corbin Burns all day. I could talk about Devin Williams all day. We expect them to be good. Mm-hmm. The guy that I really want to highlight is Yoel Piamps from a pitching perspective. Again, like I kind of said before with the hater trade, Devin Williams stepping into the ninth inning a role officially, there was questions about who was going to bridge that gap between the starters and when Devin Williams could close down a game. I don't think any of us expected like the throw in piece from the William Contreras trade, Yoel Piamps to step into like that eighth inning role. He's been incredible. Uh, He's throwing harder than he ever has in his career. He's throwing his slider the most that he ever has in his career. Um, His whiff rates and his put away rates on all, like both his four seam and slider have gone through the roof. Um, just so much to be excited about. And I think part of that is like the pitcher, the pitching development for the Brewers, but also the catcher development and the people that he is working with behind the dish have probably made him much better as well. Uh, It also helps that he's now striking out north of 10 batters per nine innings pitched for the first time in his career and walking a career low number of hitters. So just everything has been on the up and up in the underlying data with Piamps. He's definitely my MVP. That's good. We didn't get a ton of Twitter questions, but we do have some very good ones. And I have also just added my own. Um, I'm going to start off with the one I did just add recently. That is my favorite. What is it like to have Mark Canna's ass in the lineup now? Because I feel like we are both ass appreciators. We are. Um, yeah. I mean, also, I mean, Mark Canna says gay rights. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, that was probably the most exciting thing for me was the fact that we have like a very vocal LGBTQ supporter uh, in the Brewers lineup uh, on a semi-regular basis. Uh, I feel like he's just a good, probably a really, really good clubhouse guy. Um, versatile for sure, which helps. He can play first base. He can play outfield. Obviously, we've had first baseman again, like I noted about Roddy Teles had been struggling this year. So having someone like Canna that you can slot into the lineup um has been fantastic, but also, yeah, uh, the dumper is great for sure. We love this. <laughs> <laughs> and that leads into, you know, the next question someone did have, did any of the moves made at the trade deadline make the brewers any better? I think mostly from a versatility standpoint, like kind of noted with Canna, I feel like that's probably the most notable one. Um, the brewers are really, really good. And this is like a Matt Arnold, David Stern special. They're really, really, really good at getting better in the margins. And they've done that kind of through trial and error throughout the year. Like you see them pick up guys like Darren Ruff, who was on the team for a little bit, Luke Voigt at the start of the season. Like they, they're not going out to spend a bunch of money. They're not going to get like the primo, like trade target or free agent usually in the off season. They're not going to sign someone to like a hundreds of million dollar contract they're going to find guys. It's, it's very, it's very money ball is the best way I can describe it. And most simply, uh, I think that Canna's probably going to be the most impactful mm-hmm. of anyone. Um, and then there's some interesting arms that they got in the trade deadline that I'm curious to see how they develop and deploy them. But I would anticipate that we're more likely to see some of the younger guys who are still in the minors, maybe get calls uh, as far as bullpen help. I'm 
personally hoping that the Brewers are going to be in the hunt and desperate enough that they are going to call up Jacob Mizierowski, uh, who has ascended into double A now in the minors and has looked pretty decent as of late to hopefully make some relief appearances later in the season or like early in the postseason. Um, I would love to see something like that. I feel like though, Canna is probably the main one that I would key in on as being like a key uh, pickup for them right before the uh, trade deadline. Cause I think he's going to play meaningful innings. The Mets fan in me was very sad yeah. about that going down, but then I realized, wait, Milwaukee is way closer to me than New York. So, oh yeah. You can see him anytime you want. Yeah. I could just, that's a pretty, pretty easy and quick drive up there to watch him, which is worth it. Um, times a hundred. Uh, let's see, Janice in her Seinfeld voice really wants to know what the deal is with Willie right now. So since they fired Andy Haynes, I just saw a tweet about this. He's been hitting like 210, 220. He has been hitting the ball very well. Uh, prior to Andy Haynes getting let go, he was hitting like two, like north of 270, 280. He was looking very, very good. Um, I don't know what Willie's deal is right now. I think that we see Willie go through phases like this, regardless of who his hitting coach is. He goes through slumps. He figures it out. He's still going to occasionally run into a ball and hit with a decent amount of power, have a decent amount of pop. And the thing for me is like, again, I'm going to key back in on this. And this is why the Brewers, I think, are at the top of the division. It's going to be the defense. I think his defense is still very, very strong. He's looked good at shortstop this year, uh, paired with Bryce Terang up the middle. I think that's a really, really formidable middle infield uh, defensive duo. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's where Willie's value mostly comes in is mostly in his glove and in his arm. Um, and obviously like clubhouse leadership, like the vibes are always immaculate when Willie Adams is involved. Like, I don't really, I, I genuinely, there's so many guys on the Brewers that it's like, it's like, uh, Willie Adams and you see guys like Joey Weimer, the young guys where they're, while they struggle at the plate and they may be really, really frustrating at times, you can tell that they're having so much fun playing the game and that, they're keeping the vibes light in the clubhouse. And I think that makes it a lot more fun and a lot more easy to uh, get through the struggling times, especially for the guys on the team too, because they're keeping a positive attitude. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's always key. We see just how well that's worked for the Orioles this year. I mean, oh yeah, they're not the ones struggling, but like those vibes there are just incredible. Top notch. They're, they're yeah. having way too much fun and it's showing on and off the field how, you know, a great culture and a great clubhouse, which I'm not even going to dive into right now with the White <laughs> That is painful. Um, yeah. But yeah, it shows that those things really do matter in the long run. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The Orioles, I mean, it spills over into the stands. Like I see the guys, uh, uh, Mr. Splash, whatever it is, with the, with the squirt gun out in the yeah. outfield bleachers. Like all of that just looks so fun. Like I want to go to Baltimore for a game. Luckily, we know someone there now. So that helps. This is but, true. This is true. Yeah. Oh, looks so fun. Of them. Um, another one. When is Heston or when is Keston gonna get his shot? Keston here. I don't know if there is room to give Keston here another shot because I don't know where you put him. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I like I I have not looked at Keston here as minor league stats. I know he's impacted the ball decently well this year, but I would venture a guess in saying that if I looked at his strikeout rates in AAA. They are probably still quite high. And that's probably why you will not see Keston here. Like he'll be on the postseason roster, like the 40 man. Mm -hmm. I don't think 
between like all of the younger guys who are going to be getting shots before him. Like Terang's going to be at second base. Keston's not going to play second. They're not going to shove Keston in the outfield. They have so many good young outfielders. They're not going to put him at DH probably. Um, I just feel like there's, I know it sounds silly with a team that is 26th in the league in WRC plus. Uh, I, there's still just too much of a wealth of other options to really give Keston a shot. Uh, so I don't think that we're going to see him. Also, I think it's funny that we were just talking about like how good the vibes are with the Orioles. And it's like, you have <laughs> Keston Hira, Brewers player, and then the Orioles have Heston Kierstad. Yes. <laughs> which is like the 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 inverse, like bizarro world universe version of uh, Keston Hira. Although there may, may be similar players. I don't actually know. It's just like the names are very funny to me. Yes, but. I got them immediately backwards as soon as yeah. I started mentioning it because we were just talking about the O's. It's, <laughs> I'm telling you, my brain some days. Um, and then as I was actually about to start recording, I did just see the White Sox acquired Tyler Naquin from the Brewers for cash. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I think that's another thing where, like, again, the outfield was so crowded because now you have Sal Freelich is up. Um, you have Weimer, who's basically going to he's going to be in center field because he's been incredible defensively and he does have the power speed combo that even though he is incredibly frustrating to watch sometimes at the plate because of his plate discipline, he can impact the ball. He runs really, really well. Um, I, 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 I still like him a lot. Uh, and obviously, like Yelich is going to be in left field every single day. And then you can have a rotation of kind of pick your poison. You can have Freelich. You can have Tyrone Taylor. You can have um, Blake Perkins out in right field if you need to. Um, all these different guys who bring different stuff to the table. Uh, I think that's just having a wealth of options and uh, makes it would just it just makes sense there to get rid of Naquin. Yeah, it's not a bad pickup either. The White Sox are consistently having outfield issues. I mean, we don't yeah. have a team right now. It seems like most of them were probably just suspended. So yeah, <sighs> lots of lots of lots of lots of uh, trouble in River City right now for sure. Oh boy, it's, it's, it's been a rough one as of late. Lots of lots of weird press between between the uh, obviously the the Tim Anderson and um, Jose Ramirez fight, and then also uh, the Keenan Middleton article that dropped the interview uh, with him about like the culture issues within the team and just like the lack of structure and like accountability within the team is rough to see as a fan. Obviously I can't imagine. I mean, obviously I think every team in some capacity at one point or another has embarrassed their fans mm-hmm. and made them maybe a little bit, a little bit, not, I don't know if it's ashamed is the right word, but just like, come on guys. Really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of that as of late. It's been, yeah, it's, it's been uh, rough to watch. You know, as we were recording this, so it, right now it's 229. This was 214. Oh. Um, it, <laughs> Lance Lynn chimed in uh, as he saw those comments about the culture problems and said his take was, I was there a lot longer than Key was. He's not wrong. <laughs> Oof. So this has been an ongoing issue. This wasn't just this year. No. This is, <sighs> yeah. So, you know, it's great. With that being said, before we really jump into this hot mess, we're going to take a very quick break to pay some bills. But also look super cute if you're watching on YouTube. Okay. We're good. All right. So. Always cute. 
again, welcome back. We are breaking down this series with the pretty, pretty good brewers and the hot mess <laughs> that is the Chicago White Sox team at this moment. Uh, usually I start off with pitching. Nothing is listed yet for either team. Um, definitely not surprising with the White Sox. Again, we just gave most of our pitchers away and we have nothing left at all. Although my Kopech did just have a really great game the other day prior to Tim Anderson getting knocked out. He did, yes. Uh, I did look up actually uh, projected pitching matchups on fan graphs. So I do have what people think the matchups yeah. are going to be uh, opening game is supposed to be Burns versus Kopech, which okay. is fun. That's, That's a fun a one. A um, then it's Woodruff and Jesse Shoulders. Oh, yes. Which is You something. guys did just bring Woodruff back up, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. And then the last game of the series is Freddie Peralta versus Dylan Cease, which is also a fun one. So okay. pretty good, like, pitching matchups overall. Fun yeah. to watch, at least. Um, I think that Burns is just going to be Burns and probably be really good. Yeah. Um, hopefully he gets run support. Fingers crossed. Uh, and then I think the biggest thing with Michael Kopech is, is he going to walk the entire world or can he rein it in long enough to mow down Brewers hitters? Because while the Brewers hitters do strike, or sorry, uh, walk a decent amount, uh, they are a bit uh, strikeout prone as well. Mm -hmm. So if he can limit the walks, he'll probably be pretty good. Um, if not giving up free base runners, uh, I feel like the Brewers will be able to capitalize. So that's obviously like, that's, that's the thing you always have to watch with Kopech is, is, is he going to have the command or not? Um, Woodruff versus Shouldens. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all I have to say. Like, okay. Uh, Jesse Shouldens has like a ERA just north of three this year. He's yeah. been pretty good results wise looking at all like the underlying data, like his, uh, BABIP, which is batting average on balls in play really, really low. Um, kind of lucky in that regard and his uh FIP fielding independent pitching also suggests that he has gotten pretty lucky this year um so I would anticipate that the edge obviously goes to Woodruff there mm -hmm. uh and then Peralta versus Cease should be a fun one as long as I don't know what it is with Dylan Cease this year he's really like you look at his walk rates they're not that much different than last year mm -hmm. he's still striking out just as many people basically as he was in 2022 and the results are so different uh he had a lot of contact suppression skills last year that he completely lost like he was tippy top of the league in like hard hit rate everything like that barrel rate you look at his step like stuff this year he is like bottom 20 percent in hard hit rate uh just it it it's it's kind of a bummer um because I enjoyed Dylan Cease a lot last year. Like I played in fantasy leagues and had him in a few of them. Uh, and it was awesome to have him on my teams. Um, I don't know what it is that is causing him to get hit so hard this year in comparison to last year. Because he was, in again, incredible in terms of context suppression last year. And it just completely fell off the map this year. So I don't know what to think of that. Um, I do think, think that he'll probably feast on a Brewers offense. It's a little bit subpar. Mm -hmm. um, I think that'll be a pretty low scoring game for the most part. But all in all, um, I would probably say that's going to be a pretty fun one to watch. That's the one that I've circled as like the most interesting pitching matchup personally. Yeah, that one will be good. And and you, you're spot on with Dylan. And I don't think anybody truly knows what has changed. Maybe mm -hmm. Zach Hayes can like come on and – Give us some insight because yeah. that's what he's best at. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's been an interesting year in general for White Sox pitching. I mean, Dylan is really hit or miss. Kopech is really hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Lucas started off not great and turned back into like the ace that we kind of knew he was. And then Lance started off terribly and yeah, randomly got good. And now they're both gone. So like that doesn't even matter. But yeah, it's just been a weird weird year for their pitching. yeah it feels like a lost year a little bit it does for it sure that's hard kind of just have emotionally checked out on this team obviously i'm still covering them so i have to maintain invested but man it is tough right now yeah for us to, to really care these it days. is not it is not good television i cannot no. imagine no i have to like have a palate cleanser type game to kind of also be playing at the same time. Oh, I, I wouldn't even watch another baseball game. I would watch something entirely. Like I'd watch like, I don't know, like Real Housewives or just something really like trashy. Yeah. A different kind of trashy. Yeah. I mean, it's probably more entertaining if you just watch, you know, like the Kardashians or Drag Race or something yeah. to that effect. Because <laughs> it's, been, it's been brutal. <laughs> um, but with this series, I mean, again, I... I highly doubt the White Sox are going to really show up and show out. But what are your keys for the Brewers to take this series from them? Well, something that I noted uh, with like, I, I look at guys like uh, Andrew Monasterio, Blake Perkins, guys like that. Um, Sal Freelich, since he got called up, these younger guys who are actually putting together really good at bats and walking a bunch. I think that's going to be the key is like basically eating into those starting pitchers as much as they can to force themselves into that White Sox bullpen. Um, I think it's going to be the key. I think it's probably going to happen. Um, and then obviously just continuing to play like really, really stellar defense. I don't think that the Brewers offensively are going to be, have to be on like the tippy top of their game to win these games. Um, I think that they just need to play clean baseball uh, limit errors, that's pretty much the extent of it. And then obviously, like I said, just work good at bats against like, especially Cease and uh, Kopech mm-hmm. and just try to make them give up free passes. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but on the kind of flip side, do you have a fear heading into this series? I mean, Luis Robert. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Like that's, that's genuinely it. Yeah. That's the, that's the extent of it. And like, if, if Cease just has, or Cease and Kopech both pop off and have like 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 high ceiling games like they can have where Cease strikes out like twelve, mm-hmm. which is completely possible against the Brewers. Um, yeah, and then Kopech uh, flashes of brilliance at times. Not as good this year as he has been, and has been walking. I think he's got like I think he's walking like more than five batters per nine yeah. right now. Like yeah. he's been the, it's it's the worst walk rate of his career. I do know that. Um, so if they have like, like positive regression games, then I'll be a little bit bummed. And I think those are my biggest fears. Uh, And then yeah, Luis Robert, that's the, that's the extent of it. It was actually, it was just talking to our lovely friend Janice. Um, Ah. You know, we were uh, together the other night and I got the notification that Kopech had been throwing a no-no through five. This was, you know, again, right before the uh, knockout heard around the world, um, and we were talking about how, you know, if he can just manage that fastball, he's deadly. Yeah. He's great. He doesn't need anything else. If he can throw that fastball, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And it's yeah. nice to see him 
really getting more of a handle on it this year because when he does have those flashes of brilliance, it is because he is relying heavily on that flashball or fastball and occasionally a changeup. But that's what he needs to do. Um, if he could just listen to myself and Janice, we could be pitching coaches for him. <laughs> Ethan Katz, step aside. Yes, just step aside, Ethan. I can be the hitting coach. Janice can be a pitching coach. We're going to have that team turned around in no time. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I do wonder if there's ever, if, if Kopech continues to struggle and his walk uh, issues continue, if he does end up, because uh, I, I know people spoke about him as potentially being like an elite closer. Yeah. To, I'm wondering if that is still an avenue that they end up taking with him at some point if he continues to struggle as a starter and is a little bit inconsistent. Just like turning that into a microcosm and just like letting him work in relief. Because, um, I mean, his stuff, like you said, the fastball is elite. If he works off two pitches, you can do that as a reliever much more reliably than you can as a starter. Because if you don't have one pitch as a starter, it's when you only have a couple, it's it's pretty rough. Um so I would be interested to see what they're going to do with Kopech moving forward. I anticipate that they'll just continue having him as a starter, but yeah. uh, depending on how things go over the next couple of seasons, I could see them transitioning him into a relief role if they have enough uh, enough starting pitching. <laughs> Keyword, yeah. And he was great because when he first kind of came back post-2020 season, they he hadn't pitched in forever. Yeah. Um, and they did kind of put him in more of a relief role and he did look phenomenal in yeah. that relief role. Um, and then they clearly just kind of rushed him. They did not stretch him out enough. And that's why he really has struggled as a starter, but yeah, he is brilliant in a relief role and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at that. So. Yeah, he looks really, really good. I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, the pandemic and injury, everything like that kind of stunted his, his development quite yeah. a bit. He was one of the many people that was affected by the pandemic and like the weirdness be surrounding that for like minor leaguers. It was hard. It was really, really hard. There's a lot of guys who kind of fell by the wayside development wise because of that. So super, super duper difficult situation. Um, but yes, he was awesome in a kind of like long relief bulk relief type role. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what they do with him. I still like Kopech a lot. Yeah. He's what I kind of want what Raylo would do. Yes. Uh, where he would, I mean, he Raylo could start, Raylo could close. He could be an innings eater in that long relief position. And I think that's where Michael needs to head to next. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then who is the biggest threat on the Brewers right now? Or, I mean, we, we know Luis Robert uh -huh. Jr. is your, your, your biggest fear, but is there, like a big threat on this team or is there something that is a threat to themselves as a team? A threat to the Brewers. Yeah, this could be, this could be pretty open-ended. However you really want to take that. So the biggest threat is the offense and getting too aggressive, I would say, and giving too many free outs. Um, that's probably where I'm at on that is just being too aggressive at the plate. And like, I mean, if you're letting Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech get you out on like two, three pitches, every single at bat, like you're not, I, I feel like you're not doing your due diligence and actually trying to like work a walk or like work a count against those pitchers. Um, I would say that that might be the thing that would ruin the Brewers. I think that in terms of like who the biggest threat for them is, I think it's just it's just the pitching staff. I feel like obviously 
losing, I mean, even like losing Jake Berger, that's one fewer threats that you have in that lineup. I love Jake Berger, by the way. Yeah. Adore Jake Berger. Um, it's, it's just, it's just the pitching staff in general. I feel like, and just like you get our big three in this series. That's what it comes down to. Like it's, it's, that's a, that's a rough draw. <laughs> it's a really rough draw for an opposing team to face is getting our three best pitchers. Cause it's, I would stack them up against any other team's big three in the league. Are you keep saying big three and like the gay horoscope girly and me keeps coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Very sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I have for this series. This is kind of the more fun part because, you know, me thinking about the White Sox right now is super depressing. So I just love to hear everyone else's thoughts on what's going around league-wide. Again, your thoughts on this season overall. And I think I told you, you know, pleasant or terrible surprises, um, World Series contenders, like whatever you're thinking about with this season, this is just where you just unleash. So World Series wise, I thought about this a lot. And I feel like obviously it's not, I don't think it's going to be anyone from the central divisions making it to the world series. No. I think that, I think that if anyone from the central divisions makes it to the playoffs and is finds themselves in like the NLCS or ALCS, I think it's the brewers that have the best chance simply because I think again, like Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, if you can win two of three in those games and build the bridge to get them back again later in the series i think you you're giving yourself a good shot to be able to steal a series from one of these teams that's honestly just better um personally where i'm at right now is i think that in the al i'm leaning to like i would love for the orioles to win it yeah i think i think i might go with the texas rangers to make it from the al uh, I feel like that offense is electric. Uh, they've, been, they've been great all year. Um, the pitching has gotten better, obviously. Getting uh, Scherzer helps them some like a, like a, a breadth of experience there, especially in postseason play for Scherzer um, to go along with like everyone else that they have on that pitching staff that have all, I mean, in their own right, been pretty pretty solid this year. Um, and then from the NL, I think the pretty clear like favorite in the NL is Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, the offense is maybe one of the best I've seen in my lifetime, like from top to bottom, like the strongest lineup offensively. It's it's absurd. That team's nuts. Also, I get the chance to see Orlando RC. It'd be just awesome. Uh, we get the nice Botha on that, <laughs> which is always fantastic. Um but no, that offense is incredible. They have Max Freed back, who looked amazing in his first outing back from injury. Um, with that rotation at full strength, I think that the bullpen is strong enough. The rotation's good, not great. Um, but that offense is incredible. Um, I, I anticipate that they're probably going to bury most teams that they play and put up at least one 10-plus run game in every single series um, without fail. Uh, so I think like it's probably a Atlanta and some AL team. I hope it's Baltimore. I want it to be Baltimore. I think it's going to be Texas. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I sit with the. I mean, Atlanta is the obvious choice, of course. But yeah, my heart is telling me that 
Oriole, the Orioles will go. But at the same time, my heart is like, but hey, Jacob DeGrom could actually still get a ring despite not playing on the team this year. That's true. That would be cool. It's like, do I want my birthday triplet to get a ring? Do I want to be happy about the Orioles? Like, it's very tough. Um, Such a bummer being like a general baseball fan sometimes. Because someone that you love is going to get hurt. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And so do you have any like fun or disappointing surprises? Because this has been, this has been a weird season in general for a lot of teams. I mean, Brewer specific stuff. It's been the rookies have been like very fun in different ways. Like a lot of them have had like walk-off hits. They've done various good and bad things. Like have been equally like surprising in a good way, but also disappointing uh, at the same time. Uh, I love how much young talent there is on the Brewers right now. It's been great. And just honestly, like across the league, seeing Corbin Carroll, watching him do what he's been doing, uh, all of the guys that have been called up for the Orioles and how great that team has been and how, aggressively they've been pushing up younger guys to try to push for the playoffs and obviously the world series uh seeing the reds like within the nl central uh with ellie de la cruz's debut and like all of the younger guys they have on that team spencer steer uh obviously jonathan india not a rookie anymore but uh still a younger guy on that team um there's been a lot to be really really excited about um i will say one thing that's been a disappointment obviously has been Trey Turner, but I've loved how the city of Philadelphia has rallied around him. Like that scene of him hitting the go ahead Homer uh, this past week and the entire crowd cheering wildly for him and him coming for a curtain call after the struggles that he's had was like very nice to see. Like if there's one thing that I love, it's seeing a city rally around a struggling player instead of just like relentlessly booing him. Yeah. Uh, So uh, I love the fans of Philly for that. Um, but overall it's just been, I mean, it's, it's been a fun season across the board. I feel like obviously the one disappointing thing, and I'm sorry to my, uh, former podcast co-host, uh, Chris Weber, the Mets have been, can I swear on this podcast? You can, you can, you can. They have been dog shit. Yes. They have been so bad and I feel so bad because there's so much there that should be working. And like, Uncle Stevie is going to unload as much salary as he can, and then he's going to buy a bunch of players again. It's going to happen. I don't know. Are are, are they going to be in on Shohei? Yes, probably. I don't think he's going to go there. I think people no. are going to be disappointed by that. I ent- like. That's my question for you: is where do you think Shohei is going to end up next season? Do you think he resigns? Do you think he goes somewhere else? See, that's the thing. Like, where else could he go? Because again, Atlanta doesn't need him. They're fine on their own. Like I'm trying to think of like teams that that yeah. are that are good and could provide him, you know, a chance at actually making the playoffs and doing something impactful. Yeah. Um, and I just can't think of like where he would truly fit in. I feel like he's just gonna sign. I feel like he's just gonna stay with the Angels. I feel like he. I feel like ideally the best place for him to go, staying in the division would be to the Mariners. Yeah. I think that's probably because they have enough, like a lot of their guys that they have right now, like is like younger talent that are still in like pre-arbitration or like arbitration or pre-arb deals. Uh, and they could probably figure it out. Payroll flexibility wise, a way to deal for Shohei. And also this is the thing too, that you have to think about with Shohei. It's going to be a record breaking contract. If you yeah. sign him um, pairing him and Julio up for like, a buttload of years 
sounds incredible. That would be like, fun. Like that's, that's going to be a very fun team. Also something that I don't hear that many people talk about is like when you watch an angels game, you see how many advertisements there are for Japanese companies in the stadium itself. The ad revenue that you will get over that time from companies from Japan uh, will also be a way to like kind of return that investment too. beyond obviously him being literally the best baseball player we will ever see in our entire lives. Yeah. Like the ticket sales are going to be through the roof. The ad deals that you're going to get from companies uh, that would not advertise at any other stadium in the league uh, just there, there's so much to love about that. And I think that because I believe Ichiro is still a special advisor mm-hmm. for the Mariners. I feel like he will probably be doing a lot of legwork to get Shohei to at least entertain the idea of signing in Seattle during the off season. Uh, but yeah, I think that, I think fun wise, I think that would be my favorite place for him to go. I don't want to see him go to Atlanta because I have friends yeah. who are Atlanta fans and genuinely they are already insufferable. Yes. I yes. love yes. them to death. They're the worst. <laughs> Absolute worst. Uh, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need them to have more ammunition. Also, I don't. Didn't Shohei recently talk about how much he, he loved Seattle? There was, there was like an interview, uh, or not an interview. It was like, it was like a media day. It might've been for the all-star game. Yeah. There was, like, was. There was the all-star day media game where like someone like, so you're going to sign here. And he just like looked at him and was just like smiled and was like, yeah, maybe. So, which he yeah. could just be playing coy about like anyone, mm-hmm. like any team that they propose in that situation. But I feel like he probably wants to stay on the West coast. Yeah. I think Dodge, I think most realistically Dodgers, Mariners are the two most likely teams that he signs with if it's not re-signing with the Angels. Um, but, yeah. I don't want to say that you heard it here first, but just remember this podcast when he ultimately signs with the Mariners next season. It's going to happen. Um, and I will be so, I mean, we need we need a win for Mikey Ahedo after he lost Paul Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey needs this, please, for Mikey. I saw on Twitter he put no longer a Mariners <laughs> Oh, buddy. So, yes, we do need a win for Mikey. We love Mikey. He's been on here before, so people are familiar. He's a good boy. Um, So, yes, let's give him a win so that we don't have to make him into a Diamondbacks fan. We don't want that. Um, But, yeah, so Jordan and I are going to manifest Otani to the Mariners. Yes. And then we can get in all of your faces next year when he is in fact a Mariner and be like, we were right this entire time. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, that's good. So um, obviously please let us know where we can find you. I know social media kind of sucks these days, but you know, while things are still actually alive um, on the internet. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, on the, on, on the, the former, but still in my heart bird app. Uh, and on most things, I am at Bunt Singles, B-U-N-T-S-I-N-G-L-E-S. Uh, you can find me there. It is, it is uh, surprisingly not a dating app for baseball fans, um, but just simply my handles on most things. You can find me there. Uh, if you want to look at or listen to any of the podcasts that I did previously, obviously there there's a whole catalog of stuff that isn't even evergreen content. Uh, feel free to, if you just want to hear more of my voice, you can listen to that. It's uh, in the deep, uh, formerly of the Pitcher List Podcast Network, and then uh, a couple articles on Pitcher List. I might splash around and write 
some occasional things here or there, depending on if the mood strikes. Uh, but yeah, pretty much just if you want to see me fire off tweets or I'm also on Blue Sky if you're on there too. It's also Bunt Singles there as well. So yeah, that's pretty much it. If I just bully you a little bit more to actually write things. Because <laughs> there are uh, I will bully and you have been one of them. In the past. There is nothing that works better on me than bullying. Shaming me is the best way to get me to, to do pretty much anything. So yeah, you and Tommy Barbie on Southside Socks. I will bully you too. <laughs> into oblivion if it means either one of you will actually write things <laughs> so it works too both of you have done it i've i've believed you and you did it's so, true appreciate it um jordan was also my onboarding buddy he demanded ah yes list, so yes I, I shepherded you in your early days yes he went to nick and said listen listen she's <laughs> you mine don't give me crystal you don't understand nick this one, she, she's mine. She, she comes with me. Yes. Yeah. We're a package deal together. So, all right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I would say best of luck, but I don't really think that the brewers need it. Thank you. You guys are <laughs> competent. Um, says a lot about your nicely run organization. Um, so, yeah, again, thank you for coming on and talking about the brewers. Thanks for having me. Of course.